Welcome to Accountability Talks. AGA, this is your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're talking improper payments. We'll be speaking with a group from Carney and Company who uh, will kind of go through all the different aspects of uh, why you should uh, worry about improper payments from an audit perspective, from an accounting shop perspective, and uh, also they'll be talking about one of the uh, software tools they've developed to try to combat and identify improper payments. So without further ado, let's start the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about improper payments and we have a full room of people here to do that. And uh, we're also going to be talking about some technology solutions for improper payments, which I know is something that a lot of folks out there would love to have. So why don't we start off here, we'll we'll go around the room and introduce everybody. So I'm going to start off here to my left, I have uh, Nicole. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Nicole Gable. I'm a, a principal and the deputy director of uh, Carney and Company's Emerging Technology Practice. Um, and happy to be here this morning. Great. How about Alyssa? Uh, hi, I'm Al- Alyssa Fasasi. I'm also a principal with Carney and Company, and I work in our uh, consulting practice, specifically with internal controls and risk management. Great. And we have Scott. Hey. Good morning. My name is Scott Miller. I'm a principal with Carney and Company. Uh, this morning I'll be talking about reporting of improper payments. All right, and last not least, we got Dan. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dan Scarola. I'm a uh, partner with Carney and Company. Uh, here today to provide a financial statement auditor's perspective on improper payments. So happy to be here. All right, that's good. So let's uh, why don't we kick it off, Nicole, with a little bit of a little background about improper payments and why this is an important initiative right now. We got to pay attention to. Absolutely. <laughs> so. You know, improper payments is is one of those areas uh, from a government perspective where there's opportunities um, to potentially get money back from whether it be uh, vendors, individuals, whomever, and put it back into the pockets of the the government to to reuse from a budget perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, when we look at that, we're we're really looking at, hey, you know, how can we do that better? Where are there opportunities um, to, to optimize that process and maybe move away from the way that we've done it for the last 10 to 15 years, especially with all the changes in technology recently? Right. Um, I think that, um, from my understanding, you know, this has been something that you know Congress has looked at for a very long time, but perhaps maybe there's a, a renewed interest, right? As we tighten our budget strings and we're and we're looking at, hey, where can we? get cost savings or where can we get money back where you know where, where does that exist and so I think what you're gonna see is that there is a renewed interest from from Congress in this and and really interest in how um, how do we how do we fix the the issues we have why haven't we made a whole lot of progress from improper payment rates if you look out you know over the last 10 years how do we do this better right because we've had what how many laws now we had I IPIA, IPERA, IPERIA. Are we talking about another law coming up here? What's going on? Uh, I don't. I don't know if it'll. It'll be another law. I think it's really looking at how do we do a better job, maybe consolidating the information that's already exists. Because mm-hmm. if you look at um, from a compliance perspective, right, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But your compliance requirements are really scattered all over the place. Whether it be your you know, your Treasury Financial man- uh, Management Management Manual, whether mm-hmm. it be the Federal Acquisition Regulation. <laughs> Um, 
you know, whether it be uh, certain uh, local policies with, right. within an organization. Right. Well, good. Let's see. Uh, so, so what is one way you guys are trying to get a handle on this? I guess maybe we should talk about the Innovation Challenge, AGA Challenge. You guys respond to that, right? Absolutely. So um, we're really excited uh, to see this this year that during the AGA Financial Systems Summit, um, they sponsored an Innovation Challenge. And so as part of the Innovation Challenge, it was really submitting um, you know, ideas or uh, technologies that you had developed um, in support of you know, improving the federal government. And so we thought that this was a really great opportunity to, to really showcase the solution um, uh, that we had developed, um, you know, using, uh, this is a cloud-based SaaS technology, mm -hmm. um, FedRAMPed, um, you know, all those great things uh, that are important from a technology perspective now, but how we really used uh, that particular solution um, to really kind of change how maybe we would have traditionally approached uh, an improper payments engagement. Okay. So should we talk about the tool a little bit now or do you want to kind of go around the room first or what do you think? Um, I can just give a brief description of the tool sure, and please. then um, each of our subject matter experts are going to kind of dive into, you know, how can you really leverage, you know, not only this tool but technology, um, you know, for, you know, three primary areas from a financial management perspective. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So, so really, uh, this solution, like I said, it was a cloud-based SaaS solution, um, uh, and really the idea was instead of um, looking at estimates from an improper payment standpoint, which you know uh, OMBA one twenty three appendix C allows you to do, really helping transition to more of a, a hundred percent look, right? Right. And then how do you combine all your disparate data sets? You know, so. Let's take vendor payments for example, right? You're you're probably looking at data coming out of your uh, contracting system, your accounts payable system, uh, perhaps your dispersing system. Uh, if you have a system for your receiving reports, that that system as well. So right. really, how do you make sure that you have everything you need prior to making that payment? And I think the challenge in the past has really been that um, the emphasis has been rather than on you know making sure that that we're making um, the payments right on the front end, we really got into like this this pay and chase model, right? Where we're focused on the, the promptness of the payment, right? Because we're measured on, on interest penalties. Mm -hmm. um, and then focusing on, you know, how do we, if we didn't make it right, how do we get our money back right. on, the, on the back end from a government perspective? So this is really looking at, you know, the potential of, of putting something on the front end that is not going to tie up, you know, some sort of analysis um, that's going to prevent you know, or delay the payment from being made on time, right? Um, or you know, putting something on the back end, which is is the traditional way to do it. But yeah. again, looking at a hundred percent of the population rather than just you know a statistical, um, uh, you know, a statistical sample. So is this mostly a front end kind of solution then? Would you say? Yes. Or it's got both sides. I it mean, has both sides, okay, right? So and then there's also you know the potential it can. It can look at a, a variety of different data sets, right? Mm -hmm. It can either connect directly to a system, or it can automatically uh, get system from or get data from you know uh, whatever the location is. Mm -hmm. uh, it can read PDFs, mm -hmm. um, so it can work with a variety of data formats. Okay. And I think before we started, you mentioned something that this includes some RPA as well. Yeah. So there's there's RPA on the on the front end mm -hmm. of it, and then um, more of you know an analytical 
uh, type platform with workflows, right? So if you're looking at, hey, I identified an exception, what am I going to do with it? You have the opportunity to work workflow that back to you know whomever's responsible for for really, you know, making that fix. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and is this something that's? I mean, is it for everybody? Is it IGs or accounting offices or who's kind of using it? Yeah. So. Um, we actually developed this for, for one of our IG clients, so more from um, a, a post-payment review perspective. However, you know, um, management can certainly use it, and, you know, Alyssa's going to talk a little bit more about that from a, um, like an internal control perspective. Mm-hmm. Scott's going to talk about, hey, you know, we have all these re- reporting requirements. How does it help from okay. that perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then from an audit perspective, absolutely, because now you're able to actually you know, consolidate and sort of cauterize all of your compliance requirements into one spot. So it's not like, hey, well, I think these are the things that I have to comply with. And, and maybe I'm doing that sometimes and, and maybe I'm not. Right. So. Well, speaking of audit, I think Dan wants to get going <laughs> over here. So give us a little bit about your perspective from an audit perspective. Yeah, sure. No problem. And thank you for having me uh, this morning. So from an auditor's perspective, I thought we would just, you know, talk through uh, a couple things. Um, you know, what is the actual uh, responsibility of an auditor when performing a financial statement audit as it pertains to improper payments? Um, talk through what actually constitutes an improper payment and kind of uh, talk through how we actually go about testing them and, and assessing for compliance. Uh, so when you think about financial statement audits, um, you know, the obvious thing is there's a, an opinion at the end of the process. But if you're not familiar with, you know, the nuances of an auditor's responsibility, we actually have a requirement to also report on compliance um, with laws and regulations. So improper payments obviously um, plays into that, not just from an accuracy on the financial statements. Um, you know, error, errors in payments actually would have an impact on, on financial statement line items, but also from our responsibility to, to report on non-compliance. So uh, when you think of improper payments, um, it's not necessarily just fraudulent payments. I think the term improper just kind of naturally brings uh, the connotation of, of fraudulent. But improper payments um, can actually be much more than that. It's, it's actually a little more uh, simple than a, a fraudulent payment. So I'm, I'm going to read the definition um, you know, for the audience. So improper payments um, is defined as any payment that should not have been made or that was made in an incorrect amount under statutory, contractual, administrative, or other legally applicable requirements. Right, because it's overpayments, underpayments, incorrect incorrectly calculated payments, all of that's improper, right? Yeah, exactly. So even if you make um, what you think in your mind is a valid payment to a correct recipient, but for whatever reason you make it in an incorrect amount, that constitutes an improper payment, and that goes into the assessment process when we're uh, reviewing payments. Um, So, and actually, you know, testing for improper payments um, on the audit side, we try to be as efficient as we can. And so, you know, we perform what we call dual purpose or multi-purpose testing. So when we're looking at a population or a sample of expenses, as an example, um, we would also try to look at, you know, payments associated with those expenses and then go through the assessment process. Um, So we look for, you know, obvious things are, was the amount paid correct? Um, Was the recipient the correct recipient? was the payment made for goods or services that were actually received. So, so those are some of the attributes that you know we set up and actually test for when we're looking at a, a sample of, of payments or expenditures. Right. Um, the other thing we also do is you know we review for duplicate payments. That's a you know a big uh, a hot button area in terms of improper payments when things are inadvertently paid twice or you know for whatever reason if it's a system issue or 
human error, duplicate payments also right. constitute um, improper payments. So, um, you know, do you guys use a, this tool to help you with the audits, or is this more from a perspective of a auditee if they're using a tool that you would see, you know, hopefully less improper payments and them catching these things before they they happen? Yeah. So, so we haven't seen just yet, um, at least in the audits that I've been part of, where these automation tools are being used on on the government side. So it's still pretty rare. Yeah. At, okay. at least from our from yeah, my perspective, right. um, sure. I, I think it's it's certainly out there, and I think it's getting more prevalent. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, we haven't seen that just yet on the government side. Um, on our side, from from an audit perspective, we're we're excited to start using the tool. Um, we're using, I think, bits and pieces of automation uh, at this point. Certainly, data analytics um, is something that we use in assessing improper payments. But um, you know, as Nicole has talked through, you know, we're excited to see how this this tool can benefit the audit process, not just from an efficiency perspective, but also you know, expanding the assurance that we can provide on a given population. You know, Nicole mentioned uh, historically you're looking at a sample, so a subset of payments. Um, you know, very soon we're going to be able to move towards almost 100% right. testing, which, you know, from an audit perspective, you know, that's the best assurance we can provide. So, so that's exciting from, from where we sit. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of uh, other audit firms doing the same. I mean, they're doing, they're using RPA tools or whatever it may be to just mm -hmm. try to sample, you know, not a sample, but a review of everything if possible, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's great. So why don't we talk a little bit about from uh, the internal control world, you know, what are some things you guys kind of have to uh, keep in perspective over there? Yeah, so um, like Dan said, thank you for having me this morning. Um, in comparison to the audit perspective under OMB Circular A123 Appendix C, uh, which is the actual implementing guidance for all of the improper uh, payment laws and regulations that are out there, management is actually responsible for doing a very similar review um, as what the auditors are going to kind of come in and do from their perspective. And so it starts with uh, really what every internal control assessment should probably start with, which is a risk-based approach and really trying to figure out of the, the programs and activities that the agency has, which of them are most susceptible to improper payments. Um, so Appendix C guidance does require agencies to to take steps to figure that out, kind of make a, a determination for each program. For those that are not susceptible, they are required to redo that risk assessment every three years. There might be things that change that could uh, push that program into a position where it really needs some additional testing over improper payments. Mm -hmm. um, so I think from my perspective, one thing that is important for that is making sure that you're really considering all the appropriate criteria for the risk assessment, as well as tying it into what the agency is actually doing to support enterprise risk management. So really important to make sure that you're kind of tying those things together. You're following a similar approach to what the agency's doing for the risk management framework, um, really so that you're applying a consistent kind of approach across. Right. So. Yeah, wasn't a ERM or risk management incorporated a little bit into the latest Appendix C? I think they're trying to do it all the appendices. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. I've seen it in every appendix update over the past year or two, including yeah. Appendix A, uh, which was released last year, and then, append or sorry, two years ago, and Appendix yeah. C, which came out last year. Um, and, and really, I think they're trying to focus more in on doing quantitative risk assessments for mm -hmm. the larger programs. I believe it's over $5 billion that they're actually required to do the quantitative right. versus a qualitative risk assessment. So, Right. I mean, because and, 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 I've, you know, I've seen this 
continuous monitoring term in many of the old appendices, and I don't know if it's still in there, but you know, when I've done these reviews, we, we played around with some data mining tools. I mean, we wanted to try to do continuous monitoring. It sounds like with this tool, you really could do it now. Yeah, and I think like um, both Dan and Nicole talked about, right, right now agencies are required to kind of do the sampling and estimation plans to, to prove that they're using a statistically valid sample for mm -hmm. improper payments when they're doing their testing. Right. Um, so the ability to move to full population testing, uh, you know, like Dan says, brings 100% assurance. And for internal control teams, which are saddled with a lot of different requirements these days in terms of what they actually have to do to demonstrate assurance, uh, it would be great to, to try to build this out in an automated fashion so that you're looking at a larger set and then you know kind of narrowing in on anomalies and following up on them instead of having to maybe select a sample that could potentially not give you anomalies or exceptions that require follow-up. Right, right. No, I think that's a great you know idea for an internal control team, for example, just like an audit team, but I mean, you know, just to be able to see more, test more, you know, see what's really happening, have it get feedback on a continuous basis versus, you know, once every three years or whatever the cycle may be. Yeah, right? yeah, I agree. I think if they could um, use automation to assess their programs more frequently, obviously they have more comfort that they're really looking at the right programs mm -hmm. in terms of what could be susceptible to improper payments. Um, and obviously there are a lot of reporting requirements that kind of come with this that the internal control process helps facilitate in terms of the estimations and all of the different reporting kind of pieces that Scott will get into um, that the internal control team really helps facilitate. So, Right. I, I was just going to add on to what Alyssa was saying is, is really I think the intent here um, is, is to be more proactive, right? So get away from reactive controls and put more preventative controls in place. And, and that's really, I think, when you're looking at what is the, you know, how can you really fully leverage technology? I think that is one of the key areas. Right, right. And I'm just thinking, you know, volume. I mean, it's so, so hard to prevent things going out. There's right. even laws and regs that say this money has to go out immediately, you know, yeah. and we'll check on at the back end and see if it's it's been misused. No, absolutely. And I think one of the challenges has been even in some of the, the technologies that's been leveraged in, in the past is that there's just such a high rate of false positives right. that starts yeah. to come out of this when you talk about Valium. But, you know, some of the technology and, and even our solution, there's AI models that are built into it. So now you have an opportunity to start training the models, right, to yeah. really determine what is actually an improper payment and what is not. Sort of like a machine learning sort Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and actually, I want to tie together the audit and the internal controls. I mean, from what I remember, I believe, to some degree, auditors, you can depend on the internal auditor's work, right? I mean, do you feel, Dan, that, you know, this agency start getting really good at this using continuous monitoring tools that the auditors have a little more comfort or they can rely on some of their internal testing? Yeah, certainly. I mean, to, to every extent we can rely on a, you know, a robust internal control program, you know, we want to do that. Um, at the end of the day, our objective is, you know, centered around the accuracy of the financial statements with, um, as I mentioned before, you know, the responsibility to report on compliance. Yeah. But we're, you know, we're not seeking out to try to find noncompliance. We have to report on it mm -hmm. if we find it. Right. So um, it, as, you know, these agencies start to implement things like this and if they're moving to a robust, continuous monitoring process, um, you know, we would look at that and, you know, make every effort to try to rely on that ultimately to yeah. try to reduce some of the 
effort that or the burden of an audit on the agency, but then it also helps us in terms of efficiencies as well. We can concentrate on more high risk areas, um, you know, when we when we're able to leverage on you know effective internal controls that the audit clients have. Right. Yeah, and actually, I used to be an IG, and I can just imagine an IG audit right now, which would be agencies are using continuous monitoring tools, but need to focus on the right areas. <laughs> you know, I can just, yes, that's the kind of GAO reports and things you see, you know, it's like, hey, we're doing a good thing now, but you still need to do it well, you the, know. The, the ripple effect, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, the reporting folks, you know, the, the accountants, the, you know, the, the, you know, I don't know, I think Scott has some insight here. You know, what, what do you guys think about when you think of proper payments? Thanks. So good to be here this morning. I think this is where kind of the paths diverge a little bit from audit and internal control. Uh, when I'm thinking about reporting of improper payments, I really think maybe the two or three ways that we report that information. Uh, first would be annually within your AFR, or your PAR, and second would be quarterly through the paymentaccuracy.gov website. Mm-hmm. Maybe a third with some kind of internal management reporting to track metrics or you know, see if you're meeting your targets. Um, but all this reporting is really coming from the same source of information, you know, from the activities that Alyssa mentioned that are internal where you're doing these reviews. Um, and so specifically for the AFR or the PAR, you're thinking of A136 as your primary source of reporting guidance, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with a little bit of Appendix C. Um, and so with a reporting function, often we're really not involved in the weeds or the day-to-day of analyzing improper payments, um, but it's helpful to understand where that stuff is coming from, the program outlays, the properly versus improperly made payments, estimates for monetary losses, that type of thing, to make sure you're in compliance with your reporting standard, right? Right, yeah, that's actually interesting because when you, when you, the improper payments piece of the AFR or PAR, it's a very specific thing. It's not, you know, it's, it's you're prescribed to follow Appendix C and report out on these specific things or the estimates the based on the size of the programs and all these kinds of things. So it's, it's a little bit more almost rigid, really, than a more flexible, continuous approach. Right. So, but you still have to conform with the what's required to report. Correct? Right. And oftentimes, the internal control folks are helping put this together, and right. you know they're aware of the reporting requirements, making sure you have your payment recapture prevention activities that the agencies are performing. You know, the results of internal audits, the amounts recovered, all that type of stuff, reduction targets being reported in your AFR, mm-hmm. um, and also just making sure you're having your narrative of your corrective actions uh, linked to your root causes, all that type of thing for your for your high priority programs. Um, and then really when we start thinking about maybe the future and how reductions are being reported, agencies can show how these internal activities are either proactively with a tool um, that, can, that can check a payment before it goes out or reactively reducing rates. And you know, the more efficient we're able to do, uh, or more efficient we're able to be with those recapture programs, really when we come down to disposition uh, category reporting, the better, better off we'll look and maybe even recapture funding to be able to use. Yeah, so and going back to the tool, and you know, maybe Nicole or whoever can jump in here, but so again, who would you see as the, the folks that would primarily use it? So maybe in, the, in this example, the accounting side, the reporting side, could you envision that shop wanting to use it to get better metrics even, or insights, or to prevent things happening, not just an auditor or an internal control person, but even just a CFO accounting shop? Absolutely, um, and, I, and I think that's a great point, right? So. Part of this, like if you think about how a lot of agencies do their their reporting right now, it's really a data call that goes out, yeah. right? Like, and, and a lot of times, like Alyssa was talking about, it's more of a um, qualitative type, uh, you know, assessment versus right. a quantitative type mm-hmm. assessment. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really exciting to think about um, the ability to really. Uh, 
you know, look at your improper payments from a reporting perspective all the way down to the transaction level. I think that's very important. I think we get a lot more transparency into what's driving this and how we actually fix it. So, you know, you hear auditors, you hear internal control people um, talk about root cause, and that's part of what the financial reporting requirement, that's part of what the reporting requirements are, is right, right tying it back to the root cause for um, reporting purposes, but but really you have to get underneath those those kind of big categories to, to determine, yeah. you know, from an agency or a programmatic perspective, um, how you can actually uh, fix the problem at the end of the day and start getting the, the trends and the numbers down. Right, absolutely. So, and I think something we want to kind of talk about as we're uh, wrapping up here is just, again, bigger picture, you know, what do you see as the impact of technology on improper payments and maybe regulations and things going forward, you know? No, I mean, you know, I, w I would say like, t you know, 10 to 15 years ago, um, just because of the volume of, of transactions that the government has to process, you know, um, it really was a technology issue, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but technology has come so far, um, especially in the last you know few years, and, and it's going to continue going down that path. So I think we have a real opportunity to change, you know, maybe how we've done things in the past and turn more towards technology and sort of mm -hmm. embrace it, especially as you know people are being asked to do more with less, right? Like yeah. let's look at how we can kind of leverage technology to do that. And so you know we talked a little bit about it just from from our solution perspective, just but just from a technology perspective, I mean, you know, it's the idea that you can do 100% payment per review, right? right, rather than the statistical sampling, and that becomes very important because if you think about statistical sampling, you can't go and get money back from a statistical sample. You actually have to identify the transaction to be able to do that. So I think that's really exciting. Um, I also think the, the ability to sort of automate and really tie down what the root cause is of, of some of these problems, I think that's just going to bring a lot more transparency into the process and really, you know, allow um, individuals to drive, um, you know, specific solutions uh, to large problems that, you know, individual agencies might have. Um, and then really, you know, there's, there's so much data out there right now. I think the ability to really take all these disparate data sets and, and look at them in a way that's meaningful from an improper payments rate, it might be, um, you know, getting a data set that, you know, people never even thought of, but it might actually impact, like if you have like a social program or something mm -hmm. like that, um, that can really impact the propriety of the program. So just being able to use yeah. um, all these different data sets, or even like, you know, Treasury's Do Not Pay website, right? Just something as simple as that, making sure that that's part of the front end process, um, you know, before, you, before that payment goes out the door. Um, and then I think finally just, you know, getting away from, hey, we have, if, if we're, if we're going to try to do this, it's just, you know, it's, it's just this really big ask because we have all these payments or we have, you know, these, these large programs um, and we had all these false positives and we just didn't know what to do with them at the end of the day, but really to be able to refine those models and make them very specific yeah. to the program and then again, just do something with the exceptions that are coming out. Yeah, well, the idea of some AI or machine learning to help, you know, really start focusing and get rid of these false positives or even start making connections across data that you hadn't thought about before, you know, by asking these questions. Right. So I think, yeah, I mean, there's just some, and of course, you know, things like RPA to help do audits more efficiently or, or, or to test bigger samples or full populations. I mean, I think there's a lot of technology out here. You know, there's no shortage of data in the government. Absolutely not. So now we need the tools to make sense of it. Exactly. And I think, you know, just from a technology perspective, right, 
it, it's really finding what is the right combination of technology. Um, how do you stack it together in order to really get what you're looking for? Right. Okay. Well, uh, I want to see does everybody have some last words? If you guys want to, you know, give us a final perspective, I'll just go around the room. So I have Mr. Dan over here. What's yeah. the takeaway for us? Yeah. Again, thank you uh, again for having me. Um, you know, I think my biggest takeaway on the audit perspective is, you know, when you're performing a financial statement audit, you know, we're not there to uh, assess your improper payment program. We're, we're really looking at how do potential improper payments impact the financial statements. So I don't want to, you know, raise any alarms out there that, you know, your financial statement auditors are going to come knocking at your door for your program. We're, we're really looking at it from a, how does it impact the financial statements, but yeah. then are you also compliant with the reporting requirements and do our testing results stack up with your own program's results? Um, in terms of, you know, the technology, I think as it gets deployed, you know, the auditors have to respond to it on our side. So there's there's subject matter expertise that's going to be on the government side in deploying it, and the auditors have to respond simultaneously. We have to be able to understand the technology on our side as well. So right. I think it's a, it's an exciting time and uh, looking forward to, to kind of getting into it a little bit more as uh, the audits progress here in, in the near term. Great. Scott, what you got? Well, I think when uh, you know you think about financial reporting or, or reporting in general, you're thinking about the user and how they're gonna they're gonna receive the information and how you can present it. And so, you know, when we're thinking about using these tools and um, having just more information or really the hundred percent review, um, you know, coupling that with some maybe new data visualization ways where you know you have a new graph or chart or um, just new ways to present the information that's really meaningful to a user. You know, absolutely, Alyssa. Uh, I think from my perspective, the, the most important thing for improper payments is while we have all these different compliance requirements and the associated reporting requirements to kind of take advantage of the internal control programs and the risk management activities that are already happening across the agency because it's very easy to fold in uh, considerations for improper payments as you're doing that as well as you know you're you're already going to be testing controls that are in place to try to prevent and detect improper payments so as long as you can connect the dots between those controls that are being tested and the requirements for appendix C you should be able to kind of achieve both um, hopefully in a more efficient manner and then the benefit of technology which there's tons of opportunity as it relates to internal control and um, ERM specifically as you know technology gets more robust and ability to actually facilitate those programs to actually build an end-to-end -end solution that actually helps you meet all of your appendix C requirements so very excited for that. I think that'll be a, a huge transformation for the government moving forward. Absolutely. So we'll give Nicole the last word here. Oh, I just uh, appreciate you having us on today. And again, I think it's just, it, it's a very exciting time from a technology perspective. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to, to see how organizations adopt the technology and implement it. Um, and again, you know, we talked a lot about increased assurance, you know, um, I think that's especially important as we're looking at trying to, you know, the government's looking at trying to be more transparent. Right. Um, and again, just, you know, making sure that we, we maximize, you know, the, the, the use of the budget dollars that, that we do have. So, um, again, thank you so much for having us today. Absolutely. And thank you all and uh, everybody out there. You can get some technology, help, you, help yourself out with these improper payments. We don't need to be doing things the old ways anymore. We can, uh, let's move forward here. So, thanks again, everybody, for joining us. That's our show. Thanks for joining. Hope you enjoyed it. 
As always, agacgfm.org is where you can find our 40-plus podcasts, is where we're up to now. And as usual, we'll have a couple more coming out every month here, two or three, hopefully. So send me your requests. And of course, until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA. AGA.